Today, TCU offensive line coach A.J. Ricker had some interesting comments about Kendall Bryles' offense and the differences between what they're doing now as opposed to what they were doing under Garrett Riley. How is this offensive line coming along? And then three TCU players made Bruce Feldman's yearly freaks list as some of the best athletes in college football. We'll discuss that more next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us. Wherever it is you get your podcast on audio, in its audio variety, I'm on social media, mainly on Twitter or X, I believe is what it's called now. But uh, my handle is at Simcox Steven. The show is at Locked On TCU. And today, um, after practice, AJ Ricker, the offensive line coach, spoke with the media. And we haven't talked a ton about this offensive line this year, but um, to set the stage, I mean, they're replacing a lot, right? Steve Avila in the NFL right now with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Alan Ali, undrafted free agent with the Minnesota Vikings. Wes Harris uh, played a ton of snaps last year and played a lot of college football, was on the team for six seasons, one of those guys that benefited from the extra COVID eligibility and had a ton of experience, was finally able to stay healthy last season and really stepped up in a big way. So that interior offensive line is changing, right? And then you got uh, Brandon Co- or Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman, your tackle's coming back. An interesting note on Coleman later on in the show and what he might be doing this season, transitioning a little bit. But something else stood out to me that we're going to discuss here in segment one from A.J. Ricker's comments, and it was uh, his description and sort of his thoughts on what they were doing offensively um, this season under Kendall Bryles as opposed to what they've done in the past with Garrett Riley or the past you know, being the one season he was on staff here. And so Jeremy Clark asked him, about some of the differences is there are there major differences up front and he basically said yes um and it was kind of hard to tell like was he just talking about the verbiage you know he's definitely talking about the verbiage that's one thing that's changing you know play calls are different so that's gonna be a huge part of this but also he mentioned that i mean they're running a completely different offense obviously some of the concepts are similar but this is a, a totally different system that they'll be implementing this year and so um he said he thought that was good because it's easy to get stale and just, you know, sort of get bogged down in what worked in the previous season. Uh, now you're bringing in a fresh perspective. You're bringing in a fresh system. And then uh, Brian Estridge asked him about tempo and keeping his O-line in shape. Are they going to be able to do this at a high level? And he said that, you know, it's something they're working on, but he sees a ton of benefits to, you know, playing fast, running tempo, getting up the line of scrimmage and uh, getting it done. But he said, this is, he said, tempo is the key to the offense, which I found fascinating. Now he might just be specifically talking about the offensive line, but this is one of those things. um, When we talked to to Doug Fairley from the coordinator project, who did a really nice job breaking down. Okay. Here, here are the different things that Kendall Bryles does on offense He's sort of changed a lot in his philosophy and his system, or at least what he was doing in Arkansas was very different than what he was doing early in his career at places like Baylor and Houston and and Florida Atlantic. And he didn't use a ton of tempo at Arkansas. 
And, you know, I would imagine some of that was uh, Sam Pittman said, hey, we we don't want this to be, you know, a team that we're, where we're snapping the ball every 13 to 15 seconds, right? And I think, like, going at a fast pace and running the hurry-up offense, sometimes everybody – it obviously puts pressure on a defense, right? Like, it doesn't always allow the defense to sub. It doesn't allow the defense to necessarily mix up coverages and mix up looks because there's so much uh, pressure on, okay, we just got to get lined up right, understand our assignments, and have everybody on the same page before the ball snapped. It's not like a magic elixir in creating an outstanding offense. It, it you know, It's not like it was 10 years ago. And, and even then, I mean, I saw some offenses that were running fast tempos that frankly weren't doing it well. You still have to execute. You still have to make plays. Um, you still have to find ways to outsmart the defense. It's not as simple as just going at a fast pace. If it was, everybody would do it. But we're, we've seen this shift in college football, um, and we've sort of gotten away from – when I remember when Chip Kelly's with the Eagles, right? Like they had the – on the broadcast of the Eagles games, they would have the clock that showed uh, – how fast the Eagles were snapping the football and they were going at this record setting pace. And it was very strange at the time for the NFL because um, there were still a lot of NFL coaches that hadn't embraced some of the spread concepts that college that college football had embraced and Chip Kelly was successful for a while. And then things kind of got stale and it didn't end up working for him in Philadelphia. And he returned to college football. You don't see as much of that. Now uh, I think teams understand the need for balance and, just because you're going at a fast tempo doesn't mean you're going to have a great offense, right? I, I think even TCU sort of figured that out um, in 2016, definitely. But even at times in 2015, that if you're – even if you're scoring, if you're scoring quickly, that can put pressure on your defense. And if you're going three and out and having short possessions, then you're putting your defense immediately back on the field, and that can be an issue. However, if you do it well – and if you execute it well, um, then it can be a huge factor within the game. And he discussed, like, if if the O-line's in shape and they understand the need to be in good condition, have energy, you know, have that ability to keep running at this pace in the fourth quarter, then you could see defensive lines with their hands on their hips sucking so win late in the game. Uh, and that makes it easier on the O-line if you're trying to get push whether that's trying to, you know, pass protect and give your QB time to make plays, or if you're trying to shove people off the ball. And this is sort of one of the big X factors to me is what is it actually going to look like when they hit the field against Colorado and beyond? Um, are you going to see, you know, are you going to see a mix of what Kendall Browse was doing at Arkansas and what he's done in different stops? Are you going to see a more run dominated offense? Um, that runs a more traditional run, runs more traditional sets and still tries to take advantage of RPOs and uses the quarterback in the run game. Um, he's obviously going to adjust this and suit this to TCU's personnel. But if if you can pick and choose your spots with that hurry up offense, they can be effective. And they did that last year. I mean, there were times where they were running at a really fast pace, um, and so much of it is getting that first first down, right? Like once you once you start moving the chains, then you can put the defense on their heels by getting them to the line quickly, getting your hand at the ground, firing off the football, 
and making it happen. Um, and this is this is an offense that's still going to run the football. And like even back in the early days when he was with Baylor, um, Kendall Bryles ran the football, but it was so much more about you know manipulating the defense uh, by creating situations where there's limited people in the box, using all the field space with those wide receiver splits that you create um, to your advantage with the athleticism you have in the backfield. And at Arkansas, you saw a lot more of like lead back blocking, you know, fullback guys in an offset eye, um, H-backs that were firing off the ball, a lot more using your tight end. And so we won't know until the game starts, but uh, that's one of the first times I've really heard Anybody on the coaching staff say, yeah, we are – I mean, we were planning on using tempo. Don't know if it's going to be all the time. And it doesn't mean that it's some, you know, magical thing that's going to make this offense on its own incredible. But if you can pick and choose when to use it, then it can be effective. And he also talked about finishing drives, right? Like learning if, – if you're able to string eight or nine plays together and you're going at a pretty good clip – and uh, keeping the defense on their heels, then the key is how do you finish those drives? How do you find a way to get in the end zone? Because field goals, you know, not bad, but they can catch up to you if you can't find a way to score six when you're in the red zone. And obviously you want to get points every time that you get on the plus side of the field. That's not going to happen, but that has to be the goal. And so um, those were his comments about this offense. When we come back, we'll talk more about the offensive line. What are they doing? What ideas do they have to sort of shake this thing up? Um, and then Jack Besh uh, also talked with the media today. And, you know, he's one of those many players that are kind of X factors because he can play in, in a lot of different spots. And he alluded to that um, and, you know, kind of said without saying that they're going to line him up in different spots on the field. So that's coming up next year on Lockdown Hunt Frogs. Well, if you tuned into yesterday's show, you heard about Nutrafol, and Nutrafol is one of our new sponsors, and they're here to help uh, people, especially men, with hair thinning and hair growth. And you know, this can be one of the toughest things to deal with. Like when you when you start to lose your hair, I shared the story of a few months ago. I suddenly look up one day in the mirror, and I got a huge bald spot. It turned out to be like a mild autoimmune thing, and I worked with a dermatologist to get it solved. But it was really crazy to me, like how self conscious I ended up being about my hair loss. Um, and so you want to make sure that if you're going to use a product that you're using one that's safe for you, that's going to take care of you and get what you want um, from a hair growth perspective. And so you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health because Nutrafolial provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. There's no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. A lot of men think losing their hair is inevitable, but you can take control of your future. With Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men, 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. That's a huge percentage, uh, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of it with Nutrafol. If you're tired of weakening or thinning hair, or if you want to reach your full potential, uh, the leading hair growth supplement, Nutrafol, Helps improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and scalp coverage. They're the number one dermatologist-recommended supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth and scalp coverage. Um, and they use a physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients, drug-free technology that provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your health. Go to Nutrafoil.com men to take their health wellness quiz. And if you use this promo code uh, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, you can get 
$10 off your first month subscription and shipping. Uh, so again, down at the bottom there, shop at Nutrafol.com slash men, and then use that promo code Locked On College for $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping. Uh, and we are proud that they are part of the Lockdown Network. So open the show today talking about all the players that TCU is replacing this upcoming season um, on the offensive line specifically. There's a lot of players across the roster, obviously, but on the offensive line, it's mainly in the interior. And, you know, how are you going to attack that? How have they attacked that in the offseason? Will they go get uh, Colton Deary, the lineman from Maryland, um, who will be a sophomore this season and was a, a highly rated guy coming out of high school, a wrestler in high school. They're excited about his potential at the center position. Also went and got Willis Patrick, huge uh, player from a size perspective um, from Jackson State. And he should slide into one of those guard spots. And then it, it's kind of been, you know, up in the air what's going to happen out of their guard spot. You know, John Lands played a lot of snaps last year. He was switching in and rotating in and out with Wes Harris uh, at one of the guard positions last season. And so he has experience along this offensive line. But uh, one thing that they've been sort of tinkering with this offseason, and Nadir talked about it today, is Brandon Coleman and um, Andrew Coker were two starting tackles last year. And overall, they did a good job. I mean, those were the two weaker spots of the offensive line, but it was a really strong O-line across the board. And – Overall, those guys did a really fantastic job manning those edge positions and making sure that rushers weren't coming free. Well, Coleman um, is now spending some time sliding inside, at least in practice. And, uh, you know, they asked him today, like, is this what you want moving forward? Do you want – they've had Coleman and Coker on the same side, and then Michael Nichols, who was someone that rotated in and out last season – but then was injured and was out for the year, he's at another tackle spot. And so now you, you have the potential of on the interior, you have Col- uh, Brandon Coleman, Colton Deary, and then Willis Patrick. And Ricker said, yes, in an ideal world, they would like Brandon Coleman to play that guard position. Um, he stands at 6'6". He weighs 320. And uh, I talked with Brian Smith recently about some of the new recruits that are going to be coming in, hopefully in 2024, depending on what happens as we live signing day. Some of the new O-line commitments, though, and kind of position flex and where they fit and how do you determine, you know, who's inside and who's outside. And there's different factors, but the main thing is typically those inside guys are bigger, um, maybe a little stronger, but guys that don't have to necessarily worry about kicking those legs back, getting in a pass pro set all the time. You know, you're having pass protection, but that cup, that pressure is coming from the interior um, you're not having to worry as much about quick and athletic edge players running past you or dipping that shoulder down, getting around you, trying to bull rush you, those kind of things. And so uh, they like the idea of Coleman playing at the guard. And they ask if all this kind of hinged on Michael Nichols at the tackle spot. And he wouldn't say that. He said it's it's really a couple different players. Um, but, I mean, I think – when it comes down to it, like if if Nichols can stay healthy and he can play tackle at a high level, then that gives them the confidence to have Coleman at guard. And if he can't, well, then they're probably going to have to switch around and, you know, put Coker and Coleman back on the outside uh, and have that combination there. And if, if that happens, it's not necessarily the end of the world um, because if, if John Lands gets healthy, which his health is still kind of a question mark, then he could play one of those guard spots, you know, 
not sure where they are with Garrett Hayes. He started spring camp on the D line and flipped back over the O line. He's kind of been in and out with the twos and threes throughout fall camp. Uh, but he's another guy that could play on the interior. So they have some options, but with O line, you want to get the best five guys on the field and um, the positions matter. But if, if you can slide players around on the interior and, and outside of the offensive line, uh, then that's a big advantage because the main thing you want is you just want to make sure you have your five best players on the field, and then those guys gel and develop as the season goes on and find ways to be effective, and you you sort of go from there. But that is one of the big kind of uh, questions or moving parts here is – if Coleman's able to slide inside, how much better does that make you on the interior? Because that's where you're losing all your starts and your production from last season. Another guy that he mentioned that has uh, reportedly had a really good fall camp has been Taylor Whitfield, true freshman out of Duncanville. Um, good size, 6'6", 325 pounds. And Coach Ricker says they, they like what he's doing. Um, he wasn't going to brag on him too much because he went on to say sometimes I brag on these guys and they show up to practice the next day and they're not as motivated. But you can tell he likes what Whitfield is bringing to the table. Um, and he said he's a guy that he's had to kick out of the uh, facility frequently because he just is so hungry to learn and develop. And, um, I mean, Ben was a three-star player coming out of high school, but he started at Duncanville for a few seasons. Um, and – you know, Duncanville is one of the best programs in the state of Texas. And so he's competed at the high level, both inside that program. And then with the, you know, teams that they play on a yearly basis, I think he'll be ready to rock. And uh, Tanner McKinney asked me recently, like linemen that could contribute immediately um, that are freshmen. And honestly, it's pretty rare. You know, we, we see it more on the D line now, Dominic Williams did it last year. It seems like Marcus deal and nose tackle could be someone who plays a lot this year or at least gets a good number of snaps. But Ben Taylor Whitfield might be a a name to know because it sounds like they're super impressed with what he brings to the table. Um, Need to take a break. When we come back, I'll talk a little more about Jack Besh. And then um, TCU had a few players on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. And so we'll close with that here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Yeah, so Jack Besh uh, spoke today as well, and he's the LSU transfer, was uh, an inside receiver slash kind of tight end H-back type at LSU. Freshman All-American, didn't play as much in uh, 2022, but is here and has immediate eligibility. Missed spring camp, and they asked him about, like, where they're moving him around, and he said that he's played in different spots in the formation. Didn't want to talk much more about it than that. Uh, they want to, you know, keep that a surprise, but – that's a name to know. Like, I don't know exactly where he'll be. He'll be in the slot some, and he discussed that. But not sure if they'll put him on the end of the line as a tight end or where they'll find ways to get him the football. But he's an athlete. He's a special talent. And so they'll definitely find a way to get the ball in his hands. Uh, we know that much. And, yeah, just an, another another piece to this offense, right? There's there's so many different guys that I think could step up. Um, it, it's just a matter of – are you going to find a way to get them the ball and how good they can, can they be at consistently, you know, catching the ball, making plays, getting up the field, making things happen once they get the ball in their hands. But uh, I'm excited to see what kind of like mad scientist plan the coaching staff has for, uh, for Jack, because he is a special talent coming over from LSU and another one of those uh, 
players that it's it's kind of based more on projection than uh, production, but at the same time, he was really effective at his last stop. And so I think he could be a great player for this TCU football team uh, when they take the field early in September against Colorado. Okay, so uh, a couple comments from yesterday's video that I want to discuss. I talked at the end about uh, TCU guys in the NFL pretty much exclusively about the rookie class um, that was in there and those guys, how they did in their first preseason action. And I, I asked the question, like, did I miss anybody? And Tommy Fisher, who uh, is a loyal listener to the show, said Tay Barber did a decent job for the Bucks, and Alan Ali got significant playing time for the Vikings. And he said Jalen Rager also has the best half of football as well, but he's been in the league for a while. And, yeah, Jalen's hadn't really clicked for him, but he's super talented. I hope, you know, this season is – where the light bulb goes off and it all comes together. But you're totally right. I missed some of those undrafted free agents. Uh, Tay Barber had one catch for 17 yards there in Tampa Bay, and hopefully he gets a good shot um, to, you know, at least put some good tape together and find a way to to be effective in those preseason games. He was super reliable, man. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but it just felt like every time he made a catch um, that it was a big one. And throughout his career was just – a consistent um, force. And I was super excited the way he kind of emerged last season, had that big touchdown catch against uh, Michigan in the playoff game. And um, yeah, he was one of those guys that there were so many players last year that it was just nice to see them get rewarded for what's been a lot of hard work. And honestly, early in their careers at TCU, not a ton of rewards, um, but they, they finally kind of reaped a, a real big harvest last season with all the success that they had on the field. And Alan Ali, um, there in Minnesota, I, I know he's he's made some waves. I need to check in with Luke Braun, our locked-on Vikings host, to see how he's doing. I've seen him talk about Ali from time to time as someone who's making things happen in practice. And um, he was a great center for this team coming over from SMU, like one of those unheralded players that just did his job and did it at a really high level. And so I'm um, happy to see that he got some – snaps and got some playing time in that first preseason game there for Minnesota. Okay, so before we go today, uh, Bruce Feldman puts together this list every year, and he calls it his the freaks list. And so it's basically like it's a collection of the best athletes in college football. And it's ranked – he now does 100. So he's got 100 players on this list. And it's not like – it's not the best players in college football – um, now, obviously, you're talking about the best athletes, so in a lot of cases it correlates to some of the best players in college football. But it's more just about pure athleticism. And one thing that I appreciate about the way Bruce does this is he really makes a search. I mean, there's some guys – there's a guy from Holy Cross on here. There's a guy from Harvard on here. It truly is a list about all of college football. It's not just, you know, okay, we show up to the Ann Arbor weight room and talk about all the guys at Michigan that – can do special things, but there were three TCU players that made this list, and I was going to highlight them here. Uh, first was Savion Williams. He came in at number 56, and Bruce mentioned that Quentin Johnson on the, lat, on the list last year. Savion says that he's faster than Quentin. He went on to say he's got the jump, and I'll give him that, um, but Williams jumps well, too. He hit 10-6 in the broad jump and posted a 40-inch vertical, um, and he's also – has a great arm. Apparently the former high school quarterback has incredible arm strength. Uh, Chandler Morris said he threw about 20 yards further when they just had like an arm strength competition. 
it was like every bit of 80 yards um, with no warm up. And I just said, that's straight God given, which Savion Williams throwing a football 80 yards is, is insane. You know, it, it's crazy. Like how gifted these guys are um, just every year and, and how good they are at what they do. Uh, but I did find that interesting about the fact that he is faster than Quentin and Quentin's not necessarily a burner, but he's got those long strides, right? And Savion's built kind of the same way. Um, I would have guessed that Quentin was faster though. And that actually Savion had the better jumping ability because um, Q can definitely go up and get the football, but I think Savion is more of like your prototypical big body. Like I'm just going to go up and over you. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see how they use his skills though this upcoming season, but uh, big time athlete and hopefully he can put it all together this year and expanded role has kind of, you know, potentially the undisputed wide receiver one if he can make it happen. At 61, Brandon Coleman, um, 6'6", 320. We talked about him earlier. Interesting story. He grew up in Berlin but moved back to the U.S. in 2016, was not ranked. TCU did a great job finding him on the recruiting trail. Uh, but he has a 35-inch vertical jump, runs 18 miles per hour. He squats 1,600 pounds, benches 400, and power cleans 375. Man, I'll tell you what, like the days of – just big um, round offensive linemen that can't move are gone. Like these O linemen are true athletes and uh, these strength and conditioning programs. Now they find ways to get these guys, you know, to a place where even at their size and build, they're able to do some, some special things. And yeah, 18 miles an hour, 320 pounds is, pretty special like that's a guy that's moving um has a good vertical jump as well so an intriguing prospect and you see with that athleticism like he can make it happen at tackle but coaching staff and and aj record specifically seem to like the fit there at guard if it you know comes down to it and then 77 shad banks um and you know shad's a, a cool story and he's bruce says he might be the only linebacker in power five who is returning kickoffs he averaged 27 yards on three returns last season um, 6'1", 250 pounds, former two-time Junior Olympic National uh, Triple Jump Champion, consistently runs 21 miles per hour and has been clocked at 4'4 in the 40. Didn't talk about his ability to do backflips. We know that Shag can do that as well. Um, he's a great athlete, and I'm super excited to see him in a more consistent role and more consistent snap count this year because I love what he brings to the linebacker position. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs today. We'll be back again tomorrow. It's your team every day.